Good morning, church. Go and please remain standing for a moment. I have Zoe Griffith come on up, and she's going to start us with reading the word right now. Come on up, hon. Want to stand over here? When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from each wait, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had from whom he had appointed a man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes a man of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You shall say to you, then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the ark of the watch of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be a, shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Joshua four, one through seven. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. Thank you, Zoe. Pray with me as we pray. Father God, I, I thank you that you bring us here today to fellowship and to be in your word and to um, worship you in prayer, music, and now speaking of the word, Lord. I, I thank you for Zoe being able to come up and um, taking, taking the lead on reading your word to your church, Lord. I thank you and I praise your name in this today. I pray that everything that I speak is your word and nothing of me, Lord, and um, just that it would go out and for those who are here and those who are listening online that um, even if one person gets something from that's good enough, Lord, and I thank you and I praise your name. Amen. Please have a seat. Can't hear? What's wrong? Okay. I'll go with it. Okay. Listen, I don't know how many years it's been. Has it been eight, maybe eight years ago? We went to the Mormon temple to celebrate my niece's wedding. We didn't want to go. A friend of mine said, no, wherever you put your feet, the Lord will be with you. Go, go. So it was Joshua 1. She said, read Joshua 1. So we read it, and I shared it with my family, and we went. And when we went, we had to go to the bathroom. And so I, we could not go inside. We were outside. But I had to go to the bathroom. So we went inside to the bathroom. And there was water in the sink when I went to go wash my hands. But when I went to turn on the water, it wouldn't turn on. There was no water. 
And I could tell that someone had turned on the water before and it was working. So I stepped outside and said, can I step in the bathroom next to this one to wash my hands? The water's not turning on. And the water wouldn't turn on in that sink either. And I came outside and I said to my son, I, did the water turn on when you tried to go to the bath? He, no, the water wouldn't turn on. I couldn't get the water to turn on. Same, was it you as well, Tom? It didn't turn on. My dad's standing there and he's like, well, the water turned on for me. And my dad was unsaved at that time. We didn't think anything of it. A month later, I had this dream, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen when we're singing, there's that ocean and the water's coming in and the water's going out. Well, that's the dream I had. I, nothing, just that. And I was like kind of hovering over it and watching it. But when I woke up, something told me, finish reading Joshua. So I went to the passage that we just listened to. And God said, this is how they will know that I'm your God. I'm going to stop the water. This, this prayer right here for my sister, Alicia, and her husband, Tom, has been up here for a long time. They're both Mormon. They both testify that they believe that Joseph Smith is a prophet. And for 30 years, I've been trying to talk to my sister the last 15 years, really sharing the gospel, the truth. And on last Saturday... I told my sister, we don't worship the same God. Mm. Like, your God was a mortal man, and he walked in another world and exalted himself and became a God, supposedly of this world, and had a goddess, and had a baby, a spirit baby, Jesus, and his brother is Satan. That's not my God. So when you're praying, he is not hearing your prayers. Five hours later... We talked Monday, five more hours, and on Tuesday she told me she no longer believes in that God. Praise God. There's a long way to go. She still thinks Joseph Smith was a prophet, but this is just the beginning. But I just wanted to thank you, church, for praying. I wanted to thank you for reading the word and bringing that to light because it's the truth. That's how God will know. That's how the others will know the God we worship. Let's pray. Let's pray. No walking on stage without praying right now. Father God, I, I thank you right now, Lord, for um, Anita just coming up and flagging me down, thinking that my mic wasn't working. But Lord, you are bigger than that. You are here to be praised in these huge uh, moments when, when your people the lights turned on and they see that you are God and not these other gods that are made up in this world, Lord. I pray um, for Anita's family, Lord, that as they're still walking through this process and that you're drawing them and that you just give Anita and Tom the power and the wisdom and the discernment to walk through graciously and lovingly um, through this, Lord. I, I pray for, I know this is a big prayer for me because I have so many friends who are um, Mormon and who don't know you. Lord, I pray, this is a prayer that I pray often, that you would give the opportunity for me to speak to them boldly also, Lord, just as you did with Anita. And I, I pray for all those 
not just the LDS, not the Jehovah's Witness, anyone that's out there right now that we know in this congregation who they know that is in their family or their friend circle or their work circle, that you would um, just give us the boldness to go forward and tell them the truth, that you are the truth, that Jesus Christ is the truth. He's the only, there's only one Jesus, and the ones that they're, that they're worshiping are not Jesus. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for this right now. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Anita. Man. So, um, it's kind of funny. As I was standing up, just getting ready to walk up here. Again, thank you, Anita, for doing that. I really do. That really encouraged me right there. Um, this is not in my notes either. <laughs> as I was sitting there praying and, and worshiping music, it kind of hit me this week. I don't get to, you guys don't see me up here this much. For those that don't know me, I'm Brian. I'm one of the elders uh, of the church. And um, Doug, our regular teaching pastor, is taking a, a three-week sabbatical, which he truly, deeply needs. And so we spend time up north with Carrie today. Um, but I don't normally, so therefore I don't normally get to teach. It's really not my first choice. But um, <laughs> I'd rather one-on-one -on -one type is more me. But with all the anxiety that was coming up this last week and the last two weeks, I've known about this for a month or more, but the last week is really getting hard and um, preparing the message and getting ready and, and it just hit me just now, like I said when I was sitting there, that um, the uh, Friday was really, I was finally finishing the finishing touches um, on, the, on the sermon that I had prepared. And as I was sitting there, the the pain in my back was excruciating and like hard to breathe. I'm like, man, what the heck is this? I've been sitting here all day. It's probably what it is. I sit at a desk most of the day. Um, so I went to the chiropractor after work on my way home. It took two chiropractors jumping on my back to try and get that rib back in place. It didn't work. And so all weekend, kind of been hard to take a deep breath and still right now I can't. But it hit me and struck me so hard right there. Like, God, that's Satan right there. Just the, the Satan knows how to get us and, and there's, there's spiritual attacks. It's a spiritual attack, but it's still there. And you know what? I'm not even praying that it's gone because God is bigger and I want this because I know I'm doing what's right. And God has me up here for a reason and that's, I'm off my soapbox and I just wanted to share that because it's important. So, Thank you. Um, now, so we'll get back. We see setting up markers. That's the, we well know this is Memorial Day weekend, right? And what are we celebrating? Shout it out. Anyone can. Where are we celebrating this weekend? Thank you, Mo. Exactly. The men, who, men and women who have given their lives in sacrifice for our country. And that I'm not taking away anything from that. That is a huge, important thing. It's the reason we're here today is because of people like that that sacrifice themselves. Um, but the question is, why do we feel the need to memorialize? Anyone have an idea why we feel the need to memorialize? So we don't forget. So we don't forget. It's exactly it. Any other reasons? That's the biggest reason. Hopefully that it never happens again. Absolutely. Anything else? Honor them. Tom, do you have one? Gratitude. Exactly. Those are all good examples. Um, 
So remember, another thing, and I'm going to get to this later on, another reason is we leak because we do forget. How many have forgotten a birthday or, God forbid, an anniversary? I haven't. I've forgotten the day that it's on, but I know it's March 9th. Um, but so this weekend we're celebrating um, Memorial Day weekend. And, and as, as a people, we celebrate many things and we memorialize many things. Very important things like Memorial Day weekend, the 4th of July, especially in this country. We're big on celebrating what we've done in this country, what's been done in this country. And we celebrate little things too, sometimes silly things. And, and I look at, uh, as I'm trying to think of like the silly things that we memorialize, some of you may know, not everyone knows that I grew up on a farm in South Glendale and there's a tree out there. If you ever go, go down Glendale by the stadium, there's this big tree in front of the White House and it's a huge pine tree. It's massive. I always get comments on it for people that know. And my grandpa planted that back in 1936 and is rounded because a donkey at the top of it. Well, we, um, it's completely irrelevant, but um, there's a memorial placard at the bottom of that tree that says, planted by Rudolph Johnson in 1936. Why? I don't know. As a kid, I was like, oh, that's cool. But as I look back now, I'm like, why? It's because we like to memorialize things and we want to remember things. But, and that's, like I said, that's a very trivial thing. There's much, much more important things to memorialize, and that's what we're going to get into today. So, um, I'm going to set the stage. Uh, let's see where we're at. Um, as I set the stage, we see the memorial. what memorial markers are we setting up to remind us of what God has done in our lives. So, as I set the stage, we, we read Joshua 4 today. Um, Zoe just got done reading it so well. And we have... So the Israelites, just to do a quick summary, as quick as possible, most of us already know the story. The Israelites are in Egypt, right? God takes them out of there, parts the Red Sea, gets them over into the, getting ready to get into the promised land, and Joshua being one of the guys that goes over to scout the place out and sees, hey, this is great. The, the grapes, it takes like two guys to carry one bushel of grapes because they're massive, but the people, the other people are scared because the, the people in the promised land are huge, monstrous people, that, and they're scared. They don't think they can do it because they're not trusting God. We know that now. But so now they get to wander for 40 years in the desert, right? And so now that generation has all died off. And as we get into, we, if you would read Joshua 3, just before Joshua 4, they talk about preparing to cross over into the promised land, to cross the river Jordan and go into the first city they're going to take over is Jericho. Um, and so God commanded them to cross it. Let me show the first slide. Just give you a perspective of what's, going, what's happening here. So most of you, when you see the Jordan River, you picture where Jesus got baptized, right? And we see now they have these places where everyone could go get baptized. And you see this calm, nice, little flowing river through the city. That is the Jordan River. Go to the next slide. So this was the Jordan River just before they were getting ready to cross. This wasn't a little thing that they're going to go wade across and get across real quick. They had, God has, he always does things in huge ways. And this is what he parted. Not the little babbling brook that we saw on the slide before. So we had to see, the people, the Israelites had to see, okay, 
they fully had to trust God. And now, and this is that generation that did, and they're all excited, and this is what their part, what God parted, stopped up the river and backed up and flooded the cities behind it um, upstream. So I just want to put this into mind of what is taking place and what God does. Um, when God's moving, he's doing it in not a little small action. He's doing it in big ways. So if you have your notes, if you use those, um, they should be right here. Um, our first point is going to be God calls us to reflect on his great accomplishments. And if you're, after your Bible's open, we're, right now we're going to stay in Joshua 4 for a little bit. Um, and I've done a little different. I got the questions. I want you to kind of, as I ask the questions, I'm not going to ask them at the end. I'm going to ask them up ahead and let you kind of ponder them as we chew through this, okay? So the question I have first is, what are some of the great accomplishments God has performed in your lives? I want you to be thinking about that as we're going through this today. So... I'm starting in Joshua 4, verse 1 again. Let's read that real quick. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where, we lo- where you lodge tonight. So we see... God directs Joshua to tell the tribe of Israel to go take a stone. So now the picture, the, the, the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they're holding up the river. And in the meantime, the cities are all flooding back there. Um, I'm going to do it a little bit longer. But all these 12 guys, one from each tribe is picking up a rock, a boulder. And I don't picture these as pick up a river rock like this. Because when God, he's, he's backed up a river that was flowing like, the one picture I just saw. So I'm assuming, I'm a little white space here. I'm thinking he got some of his biggest guys and they got some monster rocks, probably 50 to 100 pound rocks and putting them on their shoulders because they're going to make a memory, a memorial that's going to be worthwhile to show what God's done. So picture that. So this is important to him. Why is he doing it? It's important to him. He's setting this up he, and, the, and this is the key. God is doing this. Joshua is not the one that said, hey, let's do this. Hey, we're walking through. Hey, you know it would be a good idea? Let's pick up some rocks and make a memorial. That's not Joshua. It's not the Israelites that thought about this. It's God did this. And that's what we need to think about. It's always God doing this with us, okay? So God knows the importance of what happened. He knows the importance of what he's doing. They're going into the promised land. They're walking through this flooded Jordan River, and they're going to start his, I mean, they've already started it in Abraham. We know that. But now he's, he's on his next path. He's on his next big move, walking them through, and they're going to be going in and taking over this first city as they make their conquest to not, not make a nation necessarily, but it's all pointed to Jesus. We know that. That's the important part that we've got to look to, and we'll, we'll get a little farther on that down the road. So this is a big move, setting the stage as they prepare to take possession of the promised land. Um, and we look at... God puts these big moves, and he, put in, he orchestrates these great things. And we look at, oh, uh, here's a question I also have. You ever wonder why there's so many genealogies in um, the Bible? Like we see in 
Daniel and Nehemiah, they, they list a bunch of genealogies and stuff that happened before their time. And Peter and Stephen, we heard last week, Stephen, for that matter, in Acts, in Acts, he talks about all the stuff that led up from Abraham and all the prophets that were killed by the Israelites that they didn't want because they didn't want to hear it. He's always going back and memorializing things in what people say. Maybe not always in an actual memorial stone or whatever, but he's using... He's always bringing back what he's done in the past and what others have done to his people. So think of that on this. So these people who usually forget stuff, these are people who usually forget stuff. So God's preparing the inevitable, and we're going to get to that in the last part. But, um, so another thing we've got to remind ourselves of in this is that it's all God. He accomplishes his will in our lives and directs us in what we should do. And it brought me to Hebrews 13, 21, that he equips you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing to his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So I, I, look at that, and all I can think of is, as I was reading through these and thinking of all the different passages that correlate and can point, he cares because he is God, and he is worth remembering. That's why he wanted those stones out of that river, because he wants to be remembered. So we go back now. Pardon me if I go fast, but it's, ten, it's what I tend to do. Um, so we see in point one in that question, what are the memorials? What, where I go, what are some of the great accomplishments that God has performed in your lives? And hopefully you're writing those down and thinking of those as I'm talking. Um, and in point one, we see that we just went through, God calls us to reflect on his great accomplishments. And as we go into point two, God calls us to listen and do what he says. Now, this, I'm gonna read, I'll read this real quick and I'll go, um, as, again, I'll read the question next. How do we know God is telling us to do something? In Joshua 4, starting in Joshua 4, then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the river Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel. And so, I'm not going to lie, this, this part of the passage was hard for me. I'm trying to figure out and praying about it. This is what I really chewed on the most the last three, two to three weeks is how to, what God wanted me to speak, of, speak to here. And so it really got to me, how do we know God is telling us to do something? And there's two points inside this point that I have, and I'll get to both of those. God calls us to listen, first and foremost. So he did that by telling, going back a little bit, by telling Joshua, hey, do this. But then we do it then we need to do it when he calls us to tell us to do it, right? So, two quotes that I have here that um, two authors, pastors of the past that I really look up to. Um, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. That was by John Calvin. And A.W. Tozer said, God spoke and is speaking. So what does this mean? What does this have to do with the memorial stones you're asking, probably? Let's go to Hebrews 1. Long ago... Many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers to, by the prophets. But in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So we see this. God used to speak to us through the prophets. That's what he's saying right there. And now he speaks to us through, through his Son, Jesus. Because why? He came, died, rose again, and because of that, now what is inside of us? The Holy Spirit is inside of us. So, by his Son, through the Holy Spirit, is my point on this. And we see in Hebrews 3, 7, and we, and we don't have to go there, I'm kind of going a little fast on this, but, um, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as, the, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. And so we see that, that generation just ahead of the, of the generation that got to cross over to the Jordan, um, they, they didn't want to listen. And we too often, and we all can do it, harden our hearts and not want to listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. I could have easily, for example, I was pressed by the Spirit as I talked about what, about the the ache and back thing that I had this week. And that, that's, a, those are the things that we need to be able to speak about and hear and listen to the Spirit as he, as it guides, as he guides us. So, um, so my point is we listen. Um, and we hear God speaking. He is, we, because his son has died and because his spirit is in us, died and risen, sorry, died and risen, now his spirit is inside us, we get to hear and understand through the scripture what the scripture speaks to us, and we get to understand and tell other people about that. So that's the listening part. Then we do it. So in Hebrews 11, in Hebrews 11, I'm kind of in Hebrews and Joshua a lot, is what really brought me this week. Um, in 11 it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For it, by the people of old, received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So by faith, complete trust and confidence in God. We have faith in a lot of things, but the ultimate thing we need to have faith in is who? Say it loud. Amen. Thank you. So by faith, so in Jesus, in God. <clears throat> and we see this in Abraham. In Hebrews, it goes on, if I would have, um, for sake of time, I'm, um, we see it goes, the writer of Hebrews talks about how by faith Abraham did, by faith Jacob did, by, and so on, so on, through, through the, the patriarchs. Um, we, they, they received their word from God, and then they did it. Um, so we see here in Joshua that Joshua did it. And so another question that kind of pondered in my mind, what if Joshua didn't do it? What if Joshua, because 40 years earlier, he was all excited to go across the Jordan and take on the, everyone in the, in the promised land. But what if 40 years made him start rethinking it and rethinking it and rethinking it? Kind of like we do, right? We can overthink stuff and kind of, push God aside and think, no, I got a better plan. Joshua, if, now, would God's plan have come to fruition still? Absolutely. But thank God, he's God, 
and he was strong in Joshua's life, and Joshua did do what he said. So we see those as examples. We don't just listen, we do it. Um, so I have an example of God moving in, in lives. I got permission from this little girl to share the story. Um, by telling the story, I have to go buy her goldfish to put in the cattle tank now when we go on the way home. So <laughs> my daughter, Camilla, stand up for a second, hon. Okay, you can sit. Just, so you can sit back down now. Everyone can see you. <laughs> I'm embarrassing her a bit. So what does Camilla have to do with listening and then doing? In 2012, we had two kids, Catherine and Keegan. We were happy with that, but we wanted more. We prayed hard for, us to, for God to build our family and, and make it bigger with more children. Um, but that wasn't happening. All the planning and um, doing what you need to do was not working. It was not happening. We were not having kids. We actually had a miscarriage through that. And at the time, that, obviously that was really hard. But we prayed really hard about it. We're in the word about it, uh, about what to do. And God put it on our hearts to adopt. And we had some friends, the Pinellas that were here at the time, that had adopted a son. I think they had adopted two by that time. And we're like, you know what? Maybe that's what we're called to do. He's really put it on our heart to have more kids, but it's not happening. So maybe we need to adopt. Start looking into that. And um, if you ever looked into adoption or have adopted you know it's extremely expensive. And we do not have the funds to do that. So like, okay, there's a roadblock here. Keep praying about it. And um, that takes me to James, the book of James. It, at one point we were reading the book of James and started praying on that. And God said, take care of the widows and the orphans, right? So we had some other friends who had been raising foster children. Um, and this was before we knew the rice is over here. Uh, but back then, we, um, I think actually Lori had talked to Debbie at one point um, through our process. But anyway, God put it on our hearts. He changed, he changed our prayer, and that's what God does. He directs our prayers. We can pray all we want, but he's going to direct them, and we get to listen to what he has to tell us, what he's telling us to do. And so it drastically changed our prayers to praying for um, adoption through foster care. And, and anyone who's been through that knows there's no guarantees in adoption when you're in foster care. So, um, September, August 28th, 2014, after we've gone through all the process and gotten everything in place and we're certified, a little girl named Camilla shows up on our doorstep through DCS. And it was like an instant. We knew as soon as I saw her, I knew that's my daughter right there. And this was foster care. We, we had no clue what was going on, but we knew, I knew, because God spoke it, that that is what's going to happen. She's going, and a year later, in October 18th, October 18th of 2015, she was officially ours. So God, that's just an example. I'm not lifting myself up by any stretch of the means, by saying that. But I'm just trying to give an example of God directing our prayers, us listening, and then us doing. Those what we need to do. Um, and then the little apostrophe at the end, or the exclamation point at the end, 
God answers prayers too, because three years later, by surprise, we did have Caden. So he answered prayers even when he directed us down one path, he still answered that original prayer. And that's the awesomeness of God. Now, he doesn't always do that that way, but he did do that in our life, and we get to profess that with Camilla and Caden over there. So, as I transition now to my third point, um, so we see, do we have, all right, let me repeat them real fast. So we have, on the first point, God calls us to reflect on his great accomplishments. Point two, God calls us to listen and do what he says. Now point three, God calls us to his, to tell his story for generations to come. And the question is, what are we doing to leave the next generation of Christ followers a memorial to look back on? And in Joshua 4, pardon me. Now starting in verse 6, we see that, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in a time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So those stones that they took, they went to Gilgal and they set those stones up. And I don't know that they are there anymore, but they are somewhere. But um, they were there for a long time to point the Israelites back to see what God did and to remind them what they did. So we go back to, he calls us to reflect on his great accomplishments. So his, and what really spoke to me here is I looked at the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So, again, he does not want us to forget. That's why he has written in Deuteronomy, he wants us to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our might. And then um, he's, calling, he's always called us to remember. Um, he doesn't want us to forget in Deuteronomy 6, 12, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So why does he direct us? So why does he direct us in this? If we go to Judges 2.10, there's an easy answer to that. And this, no. Judges 2.10 is after Joshua has died, and that whole generation that was all gung-ho and raid across the Jordan um, when Moses was with them, that generation that got to go across, that whole generation is gone now. And this is the next generation in Judges 2.10. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, the generation I was talking about. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So one generation, this generation had just crossed the Jordan, had, had defeated all the inhabitants of Canaan, of, of what is now going to be Israel, and the next generation forgot. Just forgot. So their kids what happened? Obviously, they question. I, I, I don't know. You gotta be careful. This white space theology here, but 
that generation, what did that generation that crossed over and did all the work, what, what did they do to tell that next generation? They're the ones that carried the stones and put them up and made altars and, and, and did stuff. And they did it up until a certain point, but they didn't do the extra part of telling the next generation. So it goes, I go back to the question. God calls us to tell the story for generations to come. This one didn't do it. That generation didn't do it. But so why does he create these memorials for us? It's because he knows us. We are forgetful people. Yes, you and me, I should probably say me because I'm the most forgetful, but everyone here is forgetful. And we can forget even the most important things that we talked about. They're not trivial. Anniversaries are not trivial, for the record. But on the scheme of things, a wedding anniversary or birthday is not as important as God's memorials, correct? So if we can forget those, I know we forget we forget many of the things that God has done in our lives. And to quote one of my favorite pastors that's outside this church, Vody Bauckham, if you can't say amen to that, you got to say ouch. So, because it's true. So if you're sitting here today, you can probably, you can prove, claim that you are a follower of Christ, washed in his blood, and able to go out and proclaim that to others. So, that you are a child of God and that the blood of Jesus has washed you of your sins. That, and then that is the greatest memorial to God ever. And that takes us back to point one again. God calls us to reflect on his great accomplishments. And the greatest of those accomplishments is what? The, Jesus, the cross. That accomplishment that he, that he completed, that he talked about in all the scripture ahead we get to celebrate that now. So, what are the markers or the memorials we are setting up to remind us of what God has done in our lives? We set up the memorials, we set up the markers for our anniversary, we have it in our calendar. Do we have, for our example with Camille, we have that in our calendar. What do we do for, does, everyone, does everybody know exactly when they were saved, when, God, when they recognized that they were saved? think a lot do, not all do. Um, do we have markers? Have we made up markers for those times in our lives where God has done this awesome, great thing in our life, like answered a prayer or being able to walk with us through walking someone else through salvation, understanding salvation? Do we make markers for that? Some do, some don't. I argue we all should. Whether... We, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. We, if you're on Facebook, you see Facebook is really good at having memories pop up from a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, back when I looked a lot younger and, and weighed a lot less. Those are good memories. But um, do we do that? Do we... Do we trust in an algorithm or a, a Facebook or Instagram, whatever social media you use? Do we trust those to be our reminders when God should be our reminder? The Holy Spirit is in us to be, have reminders of tangible things that we can see daily, not just on that date. Um, I use an example of the Troyers. Um, they have, they've taken Joshua 4 literally and have stones. If you've ever been to their house, they have the stones and they put 
the important dates and markers in their lives, and they have those out there painted and secured so that they will be there as long as they live. And that generation after them, when these ladies and have kids and the Troyers have grandkids, will be able to see that as well. Do we do that? Do we do that? No. So I'm not saying that's how you have to do it. I'm, and I'm not even going to give all, a ton, I could go on forever talking about ways of doing it. But we need to be doing it. And that's what I'm calling for. We have the, we have the, the, the markers and the memorials here in the U.S. that we celebrate every year throughout. I'm calling and challenging people to find those markers, find those memorials that you have in your personal life that shows your walk with Jesus. And um, because the most important thing about it is all, it's about God. It's not even about us. It's not about us. And that's what I, I really have to hit home hard. It's not about me. It's about what God's done through me and through you that we can proclaim this to a new generation, the next generation, to our kids and our grandkids. Because the most, um, like I said earlier, the Old and New Testament, like, um, we, like I mentioned, Daniel and the Nehemiah, Peter and Stephen, what was Peter doing before he was killed? He was proclaiming God and what everything that God had done in the past. And we talked about this last week when Jeff was up here teaching. Everything that God had done in the past and how they did not, the, the Sadducees did not see what they, what they had done and were blinded by that. But he was proclaiming that all the way to his death. And that's what we need to do. We may not get stoned to death like Stephen, but we need to be proclaiming everything that we're doing to our family members, our children, our unsaved family members, our coworkers at work, our friends at school. That is our testimony. And because our testimony is a memorial to God, you get to share it with others. So do it. Do it. God calls us to remember it, and He calls us to listen to it, and then He calls us to do it. So go out there and share those memorials, share those markers with other people that they can see God working in your life. So the question I'll leave you with on this is. Is your life a living memorial to the one who created it and saved it? That's what I'm going to leave you with this morning. Abby, where it? Yeah. You can tell the usual pastor's not up here. They have a little better flow. That's on me, all me.